Good day. You are tuned into the 91st edition of Free City Radio. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe in Montreal. It is Tuesday, the 1st of February. On the broadcast today, I'm going to be featuring a conversation that I facilitated at Concordia University in Montreal with uh, two activists uh, and organizers. One is Emily Nguyen of CISO, which is the Centre International de Solidarité Ouvrière, the International Centre of Solidarity Between Workers. That's an organization that has, um, over many decades now, worked to establish connections between uh, worker movements in Quebec and worker movements globally. The other voice is Mustafa Hnawi of the Immigrant Worker Centre, uh, that's an organization that is based in the Côte de Neige district of Montreal. Uh, and it uh, basically focuses on organizing workers uh, who have precarious status uh, in terms of immigration, uh, often workers uh, who are working in some of the most um, disadvantaged sectors in the warehouse sector or in uh, primary health care work that is not uh, regarded officially, so people who do home care. Uh, many different communities are working actively with the Immigrant Workers Center. These uh, two voices that we hear, uh, Emily and Mustafa, were presenting at an event that I organized in collaboration with Cinema Politica, um, which is an activist film screening network. This took place at Concordia University, and the conversation was surrounding a film called Made in Bangladesh. Um, Made in Bangladesh uh, follows uh, the story of a group of workers who um, are organizing a union within a factory in uh, Bangladesh. The film is by Rubiat Hussein, and uh, it's a very powerful film. Um, it's a drama and it documents the life of one worker, Shimu, uh, who's organizing uh, towards creating a union within the network of women textile workers in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Um, within this intervention, we hear a lot about uh, the international solidarity efforts that are ongoing with Bangladesh that are highlighted uh, by Emily, um, and also the ways that there are mirroring uh, examples of the struggles of workers locally. Um, so a lot of the corporations that did efforts to move labor context offshore, especially in the textile industry uh, and the garment industry, uh, that was a reality that hit Montreal um, severely, uh, particularly within the Chabanel district of the city. Um, often these companies work between uh, different national context. So we see companies um, that are working both within Canada and Bangladesh and within Canada and other countries. Um, we see that also between Canada and Haiti. Um, these are uh, corporations that uh, have been challenged by uh, the Immigrant Workers Centre. One of them is Lamour, so uh, do look out for that. Another is Gildan. Um, so we hear in detail also the ways that worker struggles mirror each other between local in the context of Montreal and international contexts. 
So I wanted to share this uh, discussion that we had at Concordia University. I included some of the question and answer period um, because I think that the voices of Mustafa and Emily really highlight the ways that you can build solidarity between local and international contexts. Um, and uh, again, this was at an event that I worked on uh, in collaboration with Cinema Politica. Here's uh, our conversation that happened at Concordia University in December. We are joined by Emily from the Centre International Solidarité Ouvrière, uh, which is the uh, International Workers Solidarity Centre, and Mustafa Hanawi from the Immigrant Workers Centre. So I'll invite you both uh, here. So we'll hear a short presentation from each of them uh, about their organizing work. And um, Emily, uh, hi everyone, and thank you for, for being here. Although it's uh, the end of semester, I heard. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Um, so I'm the coordinator of uh, CISO, Centre International de Solidarité Ouvrière. Uh, it's a very uh, singular original organization because it's an inter-union network of international solidarity. Uh, there's very few in the world. <laughs> it's been created in 75 um, with uh, Michel Chartrand. Uh, it was in the, 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 the moment of the freedom, uh, liberation movements in many countries and it, it was in parallel with the movement here in, in Quebec. And at that time, we spoke of anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism. The discourse changed in the years, but it, there's still this very uh, militant um, activist feel to the organization. And what's very particular about it is that um, it's a network of about 60 unions all across Quebec. Uh, that gathered to strengthen international solidarity between workers here and abroad uh, uh, in the, with the objective of uh, creating social change, a more just world, uh, uh, more democratic, uh, and now uh, more uh, respectful of the environment. Um, and so we do uh, partly education work and amongst which uh, some campaigns on, on in solidarity with uh, uh, Bangladesh uh, textile workers and also um, international solidarity work, which is always about organizing workers, uh, but it's always our partners abroad that do the work. For instance, we're organizing uh, recycling uh, workers, waste pickers in, in Mexico uh, nowadays with the Frente Autentico del Trabajo, the FAT in Mexico. Um, and uh, so it's always about defending workers' rights or human rights and or collective organizing. Basically that the groups uh, fight back for their dignity and for, for defending their own rights and have a voice um, locally. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll uh, pass the mic to you. Oh, I got my own. I don't need to. <laughs> so my name is Mustafa Hanawi, and I'm with the Immigrant Workers Center, which is an organization that was founded in 2000 uh, to organize among those who are in the most unorganized parts of, of society. So domestic workers, 
uh, people working through temporary placement agencies and, and warehouses, cleaners, uh, temporary foreign workers in agriculture. And so a lot of what we do is to defend their basic labor rights, not just in, in the law, but also in the sense because many of these workers unfortunately face the same kind of conditions, not the exact same, but in, in the same essence that what many of the workers that you saw in this film face, right? That they're, that they're forced to become precarious, that they don't have unions. Uh, many of them legally don't even have the right to organize. Uh, many of them have their basic rights constantly violated because of their precarious immigration status, whether they're undocumented or they're asylum seekers. And so the center seeks uh, to be an organization uh, that can defend their basic rights, both in the workplace and uh, in broader society, to change the laws uh, that would allow them to actually to form a union, uh, to allow them the right to organize collectively, right? And, and many of these uh, workers uh, are working in the sectors that, uh, that they can't offshore to Bangladesh or to Pakistan or to Mexico, right? You can't, you can't offshore... Uh, uh, you can't offshore farms, you can't offshore uh, care work, you can't offshore cleaning. So they've just used the same tactics and strategies, employers, to keep their profits, right? And so, and, and, and one of the things that our organization dealt with, which, which sort of strikes all the time, is that um, we worked a lot in the transition, right? Montreal was one of the largest textile and garment hubs in, in, in North America, right? It was the behind New York and Los Angeles. And a lot of that work only recently, you know, this phenomenon that you see in Bangladesh is relatively new. And a lot of that was offshored after free trade agreements like NAFTA and uh, uh, the World Trade Organization agreement on, on, um, on international quotas. And so a lot of that work uh, was was offshore to places, particularly to Bangladesh and to China, especially garment and apparel. And a lot of what you see the labels, uh, you know, people think you know when they're when they're when they're wearing their clothes and they feel better when it says made in Canada. It's actually not even true, right? Because uh, all they need to do to say made in Canada is to design it, package it, uh, and distribute it here. The actual production can still take place in sweatshops in Bangladesh, and it'll still say made in Canada, right? And so, um, uh, and a lot of those companies, you know, the, the, that are, are Montreal-based companies that are exploiting labor in the global south. So, um, you know, we kind of have this responsibility, I think, and, 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 you know, so we were an organization that was trying to defend the rights for collective severance. Uh, for a lot of workers who were packing their own, I mean, it's a vicious cycle, so a lot of these workers were packing their own machines. And they came from the exact same countries where they actually had immigrated from, right? Uh, uh, you know, and, and so places like Chabanel and Lamour and, and Myland and Little Italy, these were uh, buzzing with, with, with garment sector jobs that all shipped to the global south just to increase the profits of multinationals here. Yeah. But I guess we can, I'll leave it there. Yeah. 
So just to say that I was lucky enough to, well, before the pandemic, I did go to Bangladesh with a, a delegation of uh, Canadian unions. Um, and what is, what's explained in the movie is totally true, and it's even worse, <laughs> I would say. Um, every time uh, workers try to organize uh, they get there's union there's um, the manufacturers thugs that come threaten them that beat them up they're really really scared uh, all the time all the while they're trying to organize the people and they're really uh, in total despair because what happened here at the end of the in, of the movie doesn't often happen and when people actually lose their job and get blacklisted in a country where they don't actually have access to other opportunities, to education. You know, they actually really need this job to survive and not only themselves, but all of their family around them because there's not a lot of other jobs that are accessible. So it's really, really, really a hard uh, context to try to organize and they're so courageous and that's one of the things I, I, the aspects of the movies I really liked, it's, it, that instead of showing them as victims, you know, women victims that are uh, threatened by the big, the big companies, they're actually actors of their own future and of the defense of their rights. So that's really um, what I thought was really interesting because in, uh, in Bangladesh, when we met with the Bangladesh Center for Workers' Solidarity, for instance, they're really, mostly women <laughs> and young women and really strong young women uh, who decided at a very high risk to, to try to organize around them. Um, but it's really hard because, uh, you know, a lot of times, most of the times, people get laid off and they don't have anything to offer them and they still continue to organize, but sometimes they're totally discouraged because you know, we tell them you should continue to organize, but once they see the, the total poverty and the, the difficulty of the workers to survive afterwards and the position they feel they put them into, it's really, really hard. But of course, we have to think that it's the companies that put them in that situation. And another thing at the end, when we met with the Ministry of Labor <laughs> during that uh, delegation, we had met just before with the BGMEA, which is the, the network of the bosses of the, the garment industry in Bangladesh. And we told them, you know, we think we have, they have a lot of influence. You know, what does the, the labor ministry think of that? And they actually told us, <laughs> the people working at the labor ministry, you know, BGMEA is the government. They told us, <laughs> which was surprising. But it shows, you know, that's what I think Mustafa was going to. What's behind that movie is how that industry was inserted and imposed in Bangladesh, because now why is it so hard to implement and to get those unions registered? It's because also the deciders, the MPs uh, in Bangladesh are uh, bosses of the garment industry also. So how do you make things move if there's this really lack of uh, politic, political will to go forward? It's really a, a, a huge challenge, but they still strive, the, the union workers, to, to, to get people organized. And um, 
yeah, just a few numbers that I thought would be um, illustrative of what garment work is in, um, in Bangladesh. So it's the second uh, producer of textile and clothing in the world, just after China. And it was implemented in the 80s. And 84% of exportations from Bangladesh are uh, garment uh, producers. And they say also that 90% uh, in 2012, it, it changed a bit, I think, but in 2012, 90% of um, work, uh, textile workers were uh, migrant workers inside of Bangladesh. But it shows how, you know, if that industry takes such a big part in the country, it's because other local economies were destroyed and created people who would agree to take such low pays. And so they say that they're paid around six or seven dollars a day. So it would be around $1,200 a year. Um, and one of the fights that we're mobilizing for now is for a, a, a living wage. And you still have tonight, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, because there's a campaign going on now. I, ca I have, um, I have uh, a few pamphlets, but uh, you still have tonight to sign it. It's um, to tell Canadian Tire and L'Equipeur, who actually, um, uh, they, they produce in Bangladesh to uh, pay their workers at least enough to live, basically. So if you want to sign it tonight, it's uh, because the, 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 the weird thing is that they have such bad, such bad uh, con working conditions, but they're stuck in a position where they actually have to defend their employers, even if they threaten them or because they have no other option. So that's why, you know, Kalpon Akhtar from Bangladesh Center for Workers Solidarity will tell you, no, don't boycott uh, the companies because we still need those jobs. But can you imagine being in that position <laughs> of actually needing to defend your exploiter so much? It, I mean, I think it shows the paradox of being a union organizer and in Bangladesh. Yeah, so. Thank you so much to Emily and Mustafa for being here tonight and sharing this evening. I know it's not a huge screening, but you both have so much experience. Um, we've distributed this. So there's time for maybe one or two questions. It is the end of semester. Emily has the microphone, so please just raise your hand if you want to bring up anything. Thank you for what you said and for the information you gave us. My question is, um, for human rights, the United Nations, shouldn't they do something if they know what's happening in Bang Bangladesh and in China? And the other question is, sorry for cutting you, um, like what's happening in Palestine? When we knew it, like people around the world, it's not religion or color or race, we all fight it for it because we believe in human rights. So my question is, like in Bangladesh, it's like they are slaves. It's, we're coming back to um, how, uh, like, to slavery. I want to, to say. So my question is: so now, if we want to boycott uh, Canada, Canadian Tire and all, is it for them to live well or just to add money? Because the way they are living is not a way to live at all. That's not fair. So what's the government doing? And 
what's what's ONU doing? That's their job. Mm -hmm. That's my question. Thank you. Oh, and also, what can we do? What can we do to change? And if we buy, example, in the future, if we go to Bangladesh and try to buy those um, companies and try to fix things, would it be possible? Thank you. Uh, uh, I mean, the, 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 in, in terms of, I mean, it, it is, it's, a, it's a question of, of international human rights. So it's a very international question that Emily, you know, sort of talked about as well. And, and you see it in the movie, right? There's this, uh, when, when the foreign buyers come in and then they actually say, we want it cheaper, right? Like the, 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 the problem is, is that, you know, even after Rana Plaza happened, you know, and, and over 1,000 workers were killed in the fire, it's deemed as like a local problem, right? That there's these local bad bosses in, in Bangladesh uh, and that they're the ones doing the exploiting, right? But it's actually part of a, of, a, of a global system, right? And that the lion's share of profit uh, goes to the corporations in the West, right? H&M, Old Navy, well, Old Navy's owned by Gap. You know, you can go through the list of brands and companies Walmart. A lot of these clothes, a lot of these brands take the take the overwhelming majority of the profit, right, and and of the value of of the of the of the apparel made, right. So they refuse to invest. They refuse, uh, and they can do so because of the way that uh, globalization is structured, right. Bangladesh on a, is a is a country on its knees, right, and so, and then they're told when they do this, when Bangladesh is actually uh, is sort of has saw its only way of economic development uh, is through integrating into globalization, which has meant becoming the yeah the second largest garment exporter in the world, essentially the clothing factory on of of our, of in globally, um, is that the conditions are still appalling, right? And that um, and then and then the international bodies like the IMF or the World Bank and they turn around and they applaud Bangladesh, right? What a great job you did. This is, you know, is an economic miracle. People are talking about Bangladesh as being an economic miracle, but yet most of its people live in misery, right? And then, and then the corporations here take a, a, a value to share. The responsibility is on us, right? And so, uh, and, and we have to think about those ways that we've, uh, that companies, it's not a moral question too, right? But the way these corporations have been able to immensely uh, profit uh, from the fact that countries have been, you know, forcibly indebted, have been underdeveloped, have had no path uh, to development. So it's absolutely it's an international human rights uh, question, right? Because uh, this is this is this is the economic path that's forced upon countries, right? And we're told it's supposed to lift all tides, but it hasn't, right? It's just made. Uh, uh, you know this conglomerate of, of Bangladeshi exporters uh, mm -hmm. more powerful than the Bangladeshi state. Yeah. Um, the UN is actually trying to adopt a, a binding treaty uh, on, on human rights which should be uh, respected by corporations, transnational corporations, but it needs a huge popular push to pass because um, when a, you know, international law has its flaws and it's really hard to sanction, be it 
states it's a bit easier, but, cor but corporations, um, you know, our economic system has been really complacent, complacent? Uh, with um, uh, international, uh, transnational corporations. Um, and in some ways, we could almost say that they've been stealing rights from, from people, you know. Um, people talk about the corporate citizen and, you know, it, sh it shows how um, in, through discourse and but also through uh, um, the lack of enactable sanctions against the corporate power. Um, uh, yeah, we, we've given them too much power and we've tolerated, the states have tolerated that they gain and gain and gain power through the free trade agreements, through the possibility for them to sue the states if they were to lose uh, some, some profit from investment. You know, they, they, they have gained so much control on the way we, we shape international relations and economic international relations, but all international relations, really. So it will really need a, a popular and collective push to be able to restrain the power of those big global corporations. But locally, there's an, an initiative, and in many countries, uh, this has passed. So um, with the CNCA, the Cana Canadian Network for, Cana for Corporate Accountability, um, uh, a lot of groups are mobilizing to try to adopt uh, a binding law um, to fight uh, the impunity of Canadian corporations abroad. So it would enable affected communities abroad to sue the corporations in the Canadian uh, juridic system um, and get justice. And it, it would also ask the corporations uh, to be transparent and to show how they actually, um, which measures they take to try to respect human rights and uh, not to destroy the environment. So there will be in the next years to come this, I think it's really important that movement because France adopted such a law and it did get um, some type of access uh, to justice for the affected communities. We know that in Canada, another problem is the mining industry, not to open a whole other conversation, but um, the, we've been creating conflict and destroying the environment uh, with the corporations that are registered in, in Canada, um, the mining companies. So. It will be an, a really important campaign to follow in the months and maybe years to come because um, the, the, there will be a corporate pushback. But those are two. Um, there, so there's an international campaign to support the binding treaty at the, at the UN. Those were the voices of Emily Nwang and Mustafa Hanawi. Uh, Emily works with CISO, which is the Centre International de Solidarité Ouvrière. Uh, the International Solidarity Center between Workers uh, here in Quebec, and Mustafa is with the Immigrant Workers Center. They, uh, they were both speaking within the context of a film screening for the film Made in Bangladesh. I'd really encourage people to look up that film. It's by a, a filmmaker named Rubayat Hussein. It's a very powerful drama film that documents the organizing efforts of women textile workers 
in Dhaka, Bangladesh. It was screened as part of an ongoing series between Cinema Politica uh, and local community groups to screen films at Concordia University. I work with Cinema Politica. Um, you can find them through cinemapolitica.org. And I wanted to share this conversation that I facilitated here on Free City Radio. So thanks for tuning in. This has been the 91st edition of the program. I'm your host in Montreal, Stefan Christoph. We share a new edition uh, twice a week. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll go out with a track that I included on a mixtape for the screening of Made in Bangladesh. Um, and I'll include the link to that mixtape uh, in the description. Uh, this is a piece by Asian Dub Foundation Colorline. I'll talk to you soon and take care. Today, the color line is the power line, is the poverty line.